Why are we saying wow? What could be possibly worthy of dropping a wow that early in the episode? And I'll tell you, straight up right now, wow. Because we've reached, we've reached the point in the season where we can finally start talking about actual baseball, talking about actual predictions, talking about what is going to happen during the meaningful part of the season. We're not talking about free agent signings. We're not talking about spring training. We're not talking about anything else how this guy's going to look in this uniform, how this manager's going to... No, no. I mean, we're in spring training right now, but this is a predictions episode. Finally, we can talk about a little bit of actual regular season, real result-oriented baseball and content. Welcome to the We Know Baseball podcast, everybody. My name is Ryan, at Ryan Knows Ball on Twitter, at We Know Ball Sports Instagram, TikTok. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, greatly, greatly appreciate it. We know baseball. We know baseball. Episode 46. 2024 predictions. We know baseball is a part of the We Know Ball Media Group. If you want to check us out on YouTube, go do so. We got all kinds of cool stuff on there. But this is a predictions episode. We're going to be giving out our strongest predictions for what we believe is going to happen in all the divisions and for all the awards in major league baseball in the upcoming season. If you've listened or watched the show before, you know that during the regular season, when we drop our regular episodes of, we know baseball as the season goes on, we always start with the standings to give everybody an update of where all the teams are. And when we do that, you always say American League first, east to west. And it's the same story with these prediction episodes. Today, we're going to be doing two divisions, two whole divisions, American League first, east to west. So today's the American League East. And today, after the American League East, is the American League Central as we move our way from the east to the west. We've got 10 teams. We're going to give you where they were last year in terms of record where Vegas has them this year with their win totals and their world series odds. We've got some players to watch and we're of course going to drop where we believe these teams are going to finish at the end of the 2024 season. Super excited for this episode, American league East first, then the American league central. If you guys enjoy this type of stuff, be sure to let your friends know, uh, pass the word around a little bit, check us out on all those other platforms I mentioned previously. We'll kind of have the clipped version of this podcast episode for you guys but enough talking about it enough promoting the other channels it's time it's time to start these predictions officially for 2024 oh boy and i just could not be more excited honestly i could be more excited because we've got all the predictions lined up and ready to go and today we're going to be going first with the American League Eastern Division. So if you're watching on YouTube, you're probably going to see my face in the top corner cutting it off. And 
quickly before we get into the official predictions i did get a new face camera it's a little bit nicer it's better quality might come through a little bit cleaner in terms of some of the content we're putting out so testing that out we'll see what happens but as of right now we've got our 2024 predictions for the american league east a very very intriguing division we've got a lot of potential playoff candidates coming out of this division we've got the young bucks in baltimore we've got the sluggers in the pinstripes in the bronx we've got high expectations north of the border in toronto we've got tampa bay who seemingly shows up every year with a random assembly of players a handful of decent guys and they win 95 plus games and get in the playoffs and then lastly you've got the boston red sox one of the most storied franchises in baseball history going through a phase that many people would have probably never expected them to go through and we'll cover it all in the american league east we're going to start at the bottom and we're going to work our way up based on where we think these teams are going to finish so in the american league east 2024 our predictions start with the fifth place team and that team unfortunately for red sox fans is the boston red sox so the Boston Red Sox, transitional season for these, these young buck of players, this young group of guys, really just a hodgepodge of different players that are really unproven besides Rafi Devers. I mean, besides Rafael Devers, who is, of course, an MVP caliber player, the rest of this team is going to be a giant question mark. Everything about it from the young guys that were expected to be good that haven't performed very well from the bigger contracts and what sounds to be the Red Sox already trying to shop those guys and cut some payroll and again enter into this full sort of tank mode transitional period much to the chagrin of Red Sox fans Red Sox fans aren't used to not being very good they've had flashes of it right they've had years and times and windows where they've needed to kind of reset back to first gear and then start to accelerate back up towards the top again. The hire, fire, rehire of Alex Cora has, or at least in the last couple of years, rejuvenated them to a degree. A couple of playoff runs in the last four or five years, and now the Red Sox find themselves transitionary, trading away Chris Sale, trading away Alex Verdugo, trying to get rid of guys like Kenley Jansen. Uh, it's, it's an unfamiliar place for Boston Red Sox fans. Coming off a year last year, 2023, where they won 78 games and they lost 84 games. All in all, just from an overall perspective, especially compared to some of the other divisions that we're going to talk about, like the American League Central, 78 and 84 is not that bad. It's just not that bad, but it's not good. And for a team, a fan base, a city that is accustomed to competing for championships on a year in and year out basis in all four major pro sports, the Red Sox being the worst team in town is unusual. Actually, you know what? The Patriots are pretty bad too. We're not here to talk about football, but regardless, fifth place, 
unfamiliar territory for Red Sox and their fans. 78-84 and 84 last year. Their projected win total coming into this 2024 season is 79.5. They've got some World Series odds listed here at plus 5,000. So you can put 100 bucks on the Boston Red Sox to win the World Series. And if they pull it off, you're taking home five grand. Please don't put 100 bucks on the Red Sox to win the World Series. It's simply not going to happen. It's not. They have one legitimate big league player, high caliber contributor on their team, and it's Rafi Devers. And he's been vocal about this team and where they stand going into this season. He's been on record talking about, you know, it's pretty obvious that this team needs to make additions to be competitive. Not the best thing to hear from your franchise guy. They locked down Rafi Devers. That was step one. The Red Sox now are probably still three to five years away from being that juggernaut or even trending in that direction that they've been accustomed to in the past. You've got some guys to watch, right? Tristan Casas, young prospect, made a splash last year um, with the team. Looking to become kind of that regular, everyday guy at first base. Big, power-hitting, left-handed first baseman. And you've also got a couple of big-time prospects. you got Marcelo Meyer, a shortstop prospect for them, who was a high prospect last year. He's trending even higher this year. More than likely, based on the direction that the Red Sox are going, which is younger and cheaper, you're going to see Marcelo Meyer this year, by the end of the year, and definitely, if not this year, definitely next season. But he's a player to watch regardless because he's high talent, high prospect, and a guy that's going to be the Red Sox are banking on to, to make an impact. Another guy, Sedane Rafaela, who is a middle infield slash outfield type guy as well. Quicker guy, dual or utility hyper athlete type guy that also has an expected time, uh, an ETA of this season for the Red Sox. Another guy, young, high on their prospect list, top 100 guy who's expected to make at least some contributions to the big league team this upcoming season. Are those two guys in Rafaela and Meyer going to be making massive contributions uh, to a team that makes a deep postseason run? No. But for Red Sox fans, if you are hoping to be competitive and competing for playoff spots in the next three to five years, those two guys are going to be a part of that core that's competing for playoff spots, hopefully sooner rather than later. So keep an eye on both of them. If you're not a Red Sox fan, please also keep an eye on him. Marcelo Meyer is a, a big time middle infield prospect and has been for a while. So with all those things being considered, a 78 and 84 record last year, 79 and a half for their win total this year. My prediction for this upcoming season is tough and it hurts the Red Sox. I have them at 73 and 89. And I know that's a low number. They're going to be in fifth place regardless. It's a transitionary year. It's not going to be some sort of. It's not a tank because I don't think the Red Sox as an organization would ever put themselves in a situation where they're going to tank. However, 73 and 89, I think, is pretty realistic based on where this team is roster wise going into the season. They've got some prospects. They've got Rafi Devers locked down long term. 
We know they could, they will have the money when push comes to shove or when the time comes in the next couple of years for them to start making a push, right? Adding some big time free agency guys, potentially locking down those younger guys. It's an interesting approach and strategy. The ownership group of the Red Sox has spoken on about how they're looking to kind of cut costs more recently and Red Sox fans are not super pumped about it. So it's kind of a transitional year for the Red Sox. They are not going to be competitive. I'm sorry, Red Sox fans. It is what it is. But Red Sox, fifth place, 73 and 89. In fourth place, I've got the Tampa Bay Rays. How in God's name could I have the Tampa Bay Rays in fourth place? You know, it's, it's for me, it's come time for the Rays to just stop with the magic. I don't know what it is and if i'm being as honest as i can it's kind of frustrating that the rays are really competitive every single year because their payroll is so low their fan support and attendance numbers are so low the quality of their ballpark is so low and by the way these are not this is not a speculatory i'm not just spitballing my opinion about this team their payroll is bottom five every year their attendance is bottom five every year and i've been to that stadium recently within the last two years and let me tell you it is a complete dump it is a dump and every year the rays are good and it's incredibly frustrating for teams and franchises and organizations that spend way more money, put a much better product out there and available for a fan viewing experience in terms of the ballpark and the accommodations and the free agency spending. And they don't come anywhere near where the Rays get to seemingly every single year. And even last year, they managed to win 99 games and they lose Wander Franco, a high-ranking, switch-hitting, middle-infield prospect to a really unfortunate situation off the field. And it, Wander Franco is probably gone indefinitely. And the Rays never stopped losing. They lost Drew Rasmussen uh, in their rotation. They lost Jeffrey Springs in their rotation. And they just never stopped winning. And it's incredibly frustrating. And I think their time's up. Their win total this upcoming season is 84 and a half. Last year, they went 99 and 63. <laughs> okay, whatever. 99 and 63. They're plus 3,300 to win the World Series this upcoming year. And they have a couple of guys to watch. They always have prospects. And there's two guys for me specifically that... I think everybody should be keeping an eye on the first one's pretty obvious because he's a top five prospect in baseball, but junior Caminero is a left side of the infield infielder, meaning third base and shortstop prospect. He's going to be up at some point this year because the Rays always call up their random ass prospects that are always ranked really high and they're always really good. And then they keep them around for a few years and then they trade them or they bounce rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I don't get it. It's frustrating. I understand whatever junior Caminero is a good player and he's going to be a really good player for them and in baseball in general uh, for a few years. He has ETAs this season. So keep an eye out for junior Caminero, big league guy. 
another guy who's been in the big leagues, but is coming off of just an injury riddled start to his career in starting pitcher, potentially bullpen piece, Shane Baz. When Shane Baz was called up by the Rays a couple of years ago, another guy, once again, for the Tampa Bay Rays franchise, that was just big time prospect, big arm, pitching development factory in Tampa Bay. And he came up in 2021, pitched really well, pitched into the postseason. UCL tear, missed 2022, complications last year, potentially a re-tear of some, some sort. He hasn't played in, in like two full years. And when he did play and when he was coming up, he was electric. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, if he can come back this year for the Rays and be on the mound at a, on a semi-consistent basis, he's going to be able to contribute at high levels for them. And like I've said about a lot of the prospects, I just want these guys to come up and just contribute to baseball. I just want to see good baseball. And, and Shane Baz, when he's healthy, is good for baseball. So I'm hoping he can be up and healthy again this year after a tumultuous couple of years dealing with just complication after complication with his his arm. I'm hoping, man, just let's get healthy. Let's get things right and see some electric stuff out of Shane Baz on the mound down in Tampa Bay. So a, a projected win total for them in Tampa is 84 and a half. Last year, they won 99 games. For me, this upcoming season, I've got them at 82 and 80. Fourth place in the American League East. I think the magic for the Tampa Bay Rays is, is up. It's got to be up at some point. It's got to run out. And in the case of the Rays, I think it's this year. I think the division is super talented. I think there are three teams in the division that are definitely better than the Rays. Said the same thing last year. But I believe it again this year, and I'm going to doubt the Rays again. And more than likely, the Rays win 95 plus once again. And then get in the playoffs and don't do anything. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. I like the Rays. I got nothing against them. I'm just sick and tired of them being good and outperforming the expectations. I have them at 82 and 80 in fourth place. Third place in the American League East is the Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays, north of the border, can Canada's team, right? Last season, 89 and 73. Disappointing end to the season. A postseason appearance matched up with the Twins in the uh wild card. Wild card series. Two game sweep, if I'm not mistaken. I know Royce Lewis went ballistic for a couple of games, but I like the Blue Jays. I like what they have to offer, and I like them to bounce back as a whole this upcoming season. I mean, they have the pieces. They have the foundation for a team that should get into and potentially make a deep run in the postseason. Last year, 89 and 73. This year, their win total, 87 and a half. Seems kind of low. I don't think they lost anybody significantly. And for them to drop down two games from the overall win total, I mean, understandable and could potentially be impacted by some of the other teams in the division making some acquisitions and being good. Their World Series odds are plus 2,000, so 20 to 1. Not Honestly, not that bad. 
Uh, and a couple of guys to watch coming into this season. For me specifically, you've got Ricky Tiedman, who's a left-handed pitching prospect for them. He's expected to be up at some point this season. They are pretty loaded on the mound. So if he's not up this season, it could be a September call-up type deal. But Ricky Tiedman's a high, high prospect for uh, the Blue Jays. Keep an eye out for him. He's going to be good. Uh, going to be contributing at some point. And then Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa is a right-handed pitcher who everyone knows about coming off an all-star appearance a couple of years ago. Last year, forgot how to pitch. I forgot. I mean, he just lost everything. Lost command, lost velo, lost spin rate. Everything disappeared for Alec Manoa. And then it was compounded on top of that with his uh, compounded his poor performance with what seemed to be some issues off the field. And like he refused to go down and do some like uh, Florida spring training assignments to get his stuff back and rehab from an injury. Like a lot of just kind of murky and weird stuff going on with Alec Manoa and the Blue Jays as an organization. That being said, we have a reference point of his all-star season in 2022. He was an all-star. He looked really good. He's a top five Cy Young guy. So to go from that and drop all the way down to what he did last year, I think there's a chance last year was just a anomaly situation. And again, it's kind of snowballed on itself. There was uh, just multiple chapters to the saga of what happened with Alec Manoa last year. And I think he's going to bounce back. I like him to bounce back. I like Dalton Varsho to bounce back. I like Vlad Jr. to bounce back. I like a lot of these guys. And I hope they're good because I think when the Blue Jays are good, it's good for baseball. And I have them at third place, 86 and 76. Third in the AL East and the third wildcard spot for the Toronto Blue Jays in 2024. I think 86 and 76 is very realistic, very doable. And with the expanded postseason, that would put the Blue Jays in as the last wildcard team yet again. They got a couple of teams in this division that are better than them. But in the meantime, Blue Jays third in the American League East, 86 and 76, third wildcard team. After the Blue Jays in third, and recapping, Red Sox in fifth, Rays in fourth, Blue Jays in third. In second place in the American League East, the New York Yankees. That's right. The New York Yanks, the Pinstripes, the Bronx Bombers, the Sultan of SWAT, the Colossus of <laughs> the New York Yankees. Last season, wildly, wildly disappointing for the New York Yankees for a number of reasons. You had the re signing of Aaron Judge coming off of. An MVP season coming off of a 60 homer season. The acquisition and addition of Carlos Rodon. And high expectations. Anthony Volpe, shortstop prospect, making the team out of spring training. 
lots for the Yankees fans to be excited about going into last year. And Carlos Rodon basically being injured. I was going to say the whole year. I'll say 80% of the season. Carlos Rodon was out. Aaron Judge missed a ton of time and even came back early from a relatively sort of freak toe injury situation that he's dealing with and was dealing with and was trying to hit with and through. Uh, DJ LeMayhew really did not play well. Anthony Rizzo was dealing with a a head contusion, like a, a concussion, basically, that he sustained like halfway through the season. There was just all kinds of just chaos surrounding the New York Yankees last year. And when it came down to it, they finished the year at 82 and 80, which was well under their season projected win total, well under the expectations, extremely disappointing, and motivating enough for the Yankees to go out and acquire Juan Soto from my San Diego Padres. Now, as disappointing as it may be for the Padres or any team to lose a guy like Juan Soto, I actually think the package we got back in return, considering Juan Soto only has a one-year deal, or one year remaining left on his contract. I thought it was a pretty good return. If I'm being honest, I thought it was a pretty good return. Regardless, the Yankees fans front office team organization was tired of underperforming. And it had been a really long time since the New York Yankees had acquired a top three left-handed hitter in the game, a top 10 hitter in the game. Besides of course, Aaron judge, They lacked a lot of offensive production last year, especially outside of Aaron Judge. And so they went out and got Juan Soto. I saw some figures that showed their projected win total going up anywhere from five to seven wins after that acquisition. I think that's a little bit crazy. I think their World Series odds are a little bit inflated, but I think the Yankees are a good team. Garrett Cole just won the Cy Young. Aaron Judge is a top five player in the game. Juan Soto, most would agree, is a top 10 player in the game. Hopefully a healthy healthy Rizzo, a sophomore resurgence, hopefully, from Anthony Volpe. There's a lot of things uh, to look forward to for this team. They traded not just for Juan Soto, but they got Trent Grisham from the Padres as well. They also got Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox. They also acquired Marcus Stroman in free agency. There's a lot, a lot, a lot for Yankees fans to be excited about. I mentioned before 82 and 80 last season. This year, their projected win total, 94 and a half. World Series odds, plus 800 or 8 to 1. So you bet 100 bucks on the Yankees to win the World Series. Right now, you would win 800 bucks if they won it all. Couple players to watch going into this season for the Yankees. If you're not a Yankees fan or aren't familiar, I mentioned Marcus Stroman. I am so intrigued to find out how the relationship between Marcus Stroman and the Yankees fan base is going to unfold throughout the season. I am so intrigued. I cannot wait to see how it unfolds, especially if there are periods or times of adversity for Michael Stroman uh, as a starting pitcher in the Yankees rotation. I think Stroman has a big personality. Yankees fans have big personalities. It's too 
peas in the same pod. It's two different contributing factors facing off with the exact same attitude and approach when it comes to confrontation. If Stroman gets booed as he comes off the mound in Yankee Stadium for this is, and I'm not hoping for this. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, let's say first start for Stroman doesn't go well. Second start at Yankee Stadium, seven earned in two innings or a inning and a third, something like that. I don't know. Gets pulled, comes off the mound, and they're booing him. I like. I have no idea how that's going to go. I mean, is he going to flip the bird back to the crowd? Is he going to yell at him? Is he going to make a gesture? Are they going to throw things at him? Like, that's how volatile this that situation could get. And that's why I have Marcus Stroman listed under players to watch. On the flip side, because of his sort of villainous um, high emotion personality, Marcus Stroman, it could end up playing to his advantage in New York if he goes out and pitches really well because they will embrace his personality fully. If Stroman goes out, pitches at a 3-2 or lower, they will have no problem with Marcus Stroman. They will have no problem. It's by far the biggest market Stroman's had to pitch in so far in his career. He's had some taste of Wrigley and the Cubs. He's had some taste of Toronto. He's been in the AL East. He's has a ton of experience of facing and dealing with the tumultuous fan bases on the East Coast. So he can handle it. He knows what it's about. I'm just really curious to see how that's going to unfold. Another guy to watch, if you're not a Yankees fan, Spencer Jones. He is a first base prospect. Uh, he came up in spring training not too long ago, like a couple of days ago, and hit a ball a thousand feet. He's a big donkey first baseman uh, from Vanderbilt who has a ton of raw power, and he's left-handed. At Yankee Stadium, raw power, left-handed, yeesh, look out. Spencer Jones, if he gets an opportunity to play every single day at Yankee Stadium, this dude, this dude could hit 40 homers. Easy. Easy. So we've got the Yankees coming off an 82 and 80 season with the projected win total of 94 and a half, eight to one to win the World Series. And my prediction for them is 91 and 71. That would put them at second place in the American League East, the number two wild card, and a postseason spot. I think Yankee fans hope for better, but I think realistically they are missing a few pieces. I think besides. Soto and Aaron Judge, they don't have another reliable bat in that lineup to count on driving runs in. They don't. They're pretty much returning the same lineup as last year. Again, shaky Anthony Rizzo, shaky Jose Trevino, uh, shaky DJ LeMahieu. It's going to be tough for them to find a lot of offensive production outside those big two horses in the middle of the lineup. That being said, they have good pitching. They have a good bullpen. They have some depth. They have some prospect capital. They could end up going after somebody at the trade deadline, depending on who's available. And I think 91 and 71 is very reasonable. I think a second place finish in that division is very realistic. And wildcard two is very realistic. And we all know once you get into the postseason, anything can happen. And for Yankee fans, I think that'd be a breath of fresh air coming off a year where there was high expectations and you didn't even sniff the playoffs. I got the Yankees at 91 and 71, second place in the American League East, wildcard two spot. 
And that leaves one final team in first place in the American League East, the Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Win total of 89.5 from Vegas. 89.5 wins. That's the line for the Baltimore Orioles this year. And they just won 101. So the Orioles got 12 games worse while adding Corbin Burns and the exact same returning lineup as last year. Hello? 89 and a half wins for the Orioles is egregiously low. Uh, they, I have them finishing in first in this division. Last year, they won 101. This year, 89 and a half win total, as I mentioned. Their World Series odds are plus 1,500 or 15 to 1. And they've got some prospects just continuing to fly up the pipeline and make impacts immediately. Immediately. If it's not Grayson Rodriguez, if it's not Gunnar Henderson or Adley Rutschman or Cedric Mullins or Austin Hayes, or I'm missing a ton of guys, Felix Bautista, uh, Yanir Cano, hello? Like, hello? They are loaded, and they just acquired Corbin Burns. Huh? These guys are loaded. And outside of the names that I've already listed, there's two names I think everybody should be watching. Number one, Colton Kowser, outfield prospect, who's already made a big splash in spring training for the Orioles in less than a week. Hit a two-run walk-off homer. Another high, big-time, big-league impact bat and prospect that the Orioles are going to probably call up this year. He's probably going to show up, add more depth to that roster, come through in a big moment, play with his tail on fire, and be a high-level contributor for that team. He's going to be good. The other name I want people to watch for, you may remember, John Means. John Means threw a no-hitter in the major leagues like two years ago. John Means was really, really good two years ago. Season-ending injury. Next thing you know, people forgot about him. I'm here to tell you John Means might be the second best pitcher in that rotation. He might be the best. He might be the best pitcher in that rotation this year. I don't think he will be with Corbin Burns, but he might be competing for that one spot. He probably, if he can return to form, John Means will find himself pitching game two of whatever playoff series the Orioles find themselves in. So keep an eye on those two guys in Baltimore with Col Colton Kowser, John Means. 101 wins last year, 89 and a half for the win total this season. I have the Orioles in first place in the American League East, finishing with a record of 99 and 63. Two games worse because, yes, they played a little bit above their expected win loss based on Pythagorean situations, runs scored, runs against, won a lot of close ball games, but also they're super deep, they're super talented. And I have no issue giving the Baltimore Orioles 99 wins this season. I have no problem with it. 
that's a slight 1% regression from last year. Doesn't mean anything. That's good enough for first place in the, in the American League East, and it's good enough for best potentially record in the American League, depending on how these other divisions look. But got the Orioles in first place, 99-63, and 63, winning the American League East, back-to-back AL East champions. So to recap, the American League East. Final standings as it stands now. I had the Orioles winning it at 99 and 63. I had the Yankees finishing in second in the AL East, 91 and 71. Good enough for the second wild card spot. Third place in the AL East, the Blue Jays at 86 and 76. And in fourth place, the Rays at 82 and 80. Rounding out the bottom of the AL East, the Boston Red Sox, 73. And 89. Those are my predictions for the upcoming season. I like to think they're pretty realistic. The only parts where I'm a little bit hesitant is that the Orioles may regress a little bit more than they than I have them regressing. Two games for me. They may drop down into the 94-95 win range, but I still think they win that division. And the other team that is always scary is the Tampa Bay Rays, because I've got them at 82 and 80, and more likely than not, they're gonna win 95 games this year by some sort of miracle and it won't make any sense and they'll lose two or three guys to season ending injuries and they're still just going to pump out win after win after win and get weird crazy fluky one-off production from guys that have never been good before like Isak Paredes or Yandy Diaz I mean Yandy they're both good players I guess but neither of them were expected to be all-star caliber guys last year and they were so if that sort of string of luck runs out for the Rays I've got them finishing in fourth the Red Sox rebuilding here. It is what it is. They're going to round out the bottom and hopefully start building up for the future. But these are my ALE's final standings. Red Sox in fifth, Rays in fourth, Blue Jays in third, Yankees in second, Orioles in first. That's all for the AL East. We talked about we're going to do two divisions, and here we are. AL East predictions done and gone. Up next, 2024 predictions for the American League Central. Guardians, Tigers, Twins, Royals, White Sox. Where do they go? How do they end up? Who finishes where? What are the storylines? Who are the players to watch? What are the projected win totals? What are the World Series odds? Where do I think they're going to finish? I've got it all here. I've got it all covered. 2024 AL Central. Recap, coverage, rankings, standings. It's here. It's time. And let's dive into it. Fifth place team in the American League Central Division is going to be the Chicago White Sox. My goodness, is this roster bad. I looked at the White Sox roster when I started this projection process and going over where I think everyone's going to finish in the standings. I could not believe how bad the White Sox roster is, especially since three years ago, they won. I think it was 92 years ago. If you want to say it like that, not 2023 and not 2022, but 2021, these guys won the AL central 95 wins. Yasmani Grandal and Jose Abreu and 
and Luis Robert and Eloy and all these dudes. And I went through that roster. Realistically, the only three guys that are worth anything are Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, and Dylan Cease. I wouldn't be shocked if all three of those guys were off the roster by the season's end. Because it appears the White Sox are full-blown tank mode. Full-blown. Like, nosedive to get as far down, as close to rock bottom as possible without actually touching it. Last year, they won 61 games. Their projected win total this year is a generous 63 and a half. Their World Series odds are plus 25,000. So you could bet 100 bucks on the White Sox to win it all. And if they do, you win 25 grand. That's how confident Vegas is when they set that line. That You can put whatever you want on them because, my God, are they not going to win the World Series. This team is not good in every single aspect of the roster construction. They're not any better than they were last year. But the good news is, for the White Sox fans, if there is any at all, is shortstop prospect Colton Montgomery. As one of my players to watch, I like Colton Montgomery. Or Sorry, Colson. Colson Montgomery. I like these guys, these young prospects, but it's a lot harder when it's a team like the White Sox where it doesn't really appear to be like there's a plan. It's hard to root for and get fully in invested in a prospect when it appears he's going to head into a situation that's just a, a ship with no course, right? It's a White Sox team that is still years and years and years away from being competitive. And because of that, it's unfortunate for Colson Montgomery because you don't know where he's going to make an impact, if he's going to make an impact. And what's the motivation to come up and do well and play well if the team around you is just complete hot garbage? I mean, realistically, Montgomery's probably good enough to be in their top nine in, in, as far as lineup goes right now. It's just the whole prospect, logistics, semantics, all that prospect stuff that you have to deal with. But they do have a good prospect in Montgomery. And the other player to watch, that's not as... It's an obvious pick in Luis Robert. The reason I put him, and I included in my in my uh, page here about the White Sox, if you're seeing video footage of it, but for those of you listening on the podcast, Luis Robert is listed as a player to watch with parentheses, trade next to his name. He's got two years of control. I think this year and next year, it's relatively affordable contract. He's one of those guys who signed, you know, that team friendly early extension type deal, like a five year extension for 60 million, some stuff like that, where, you know, it's big money for him at the time. You know, the organization, yes, is taking a little bit of a risk because they don't know if whatever will happen, right? They're not fortune tellers. Robert wants his money now. But as it turns out, based on how good Luis Robert is, he's probably worth more than that. So regardless, I wouldn't be shocked if Luis Robert is dealt at the deadline, especially if he's playing well, it's going to be a big time ask price. And that's exactly what the White Sox want to get out of guys that they have on their roster right now. Build up the farm system, start to turn this thing back in the right direction. But in the meantime, you got Colson Montgomery and you got Luis Robert, who is for certain going to be traded this year. I, I would bet a lot on that if there's a, a market somewhere. I just can't see them holding on to him much longer because his value is high. He's at a cheap and affordable contract for other teams to acquire. So they're going to be more than willing to give up a bunch of you know prospect capital for a guy like Luis Robert.
61 and 101 last year. Win total projected at 63 and a half. This year, I've got them at 62 and 100 losses. Fifth place in the American League Central. Not much to say there. It's going to be an ugly year in Chicago for the White Sox fans. Sucks to say, but hopefully they can turn it around soon. I, I don't know. In fourth place in the American League Central is the Kansas City Royals. Now, I like the Royals. I like a lot of the things they have going. I like Bobby Witt. I think that they're starting to trend in the right direction in terms of how they're building this thing up. They had their peak back when they won the World Series in 15. Has been uh, kind of a tough sledding for that team ever since. Last year, 56 and a 106 record is tough to swallow. I don't think anybody in Kansas City was disappointed with that only because that was pretty much the expectation. Now, going into this year, win totals jumped up to 73 and a half. I'm not really sure where that's coming from. Uh, maybe there's more expectation out of these guys with a little bit more experience under their belt. But a jump from 56 wins to the Vegas line of 73 and a half is a pretty big number. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure about it. The World Series odds are plus 15,000 at 100 win 15 grand if the uh, Royals win the World Series this year. And two players to watch. Number one, Cole Raggins. All right, listen to me. Cole Raggins is a left-handed pitcher, double TJ guy, and his arm, when it's on, and if he can stay healthy, please, God, knock on wood, let this man stay healthy. If Cole Raggins goes the distance this year, and he can stay on the mound, and let's just say he doesn't even have to make 35 starts. Let's just say 25 to 27 starts for Cole Raggins this year. I'm telling you guys, he's going to be a top five Cy Young guy. He is that guy. He's disgusting. Every single pitch he throws has ridiculous metrics behind it. And again, left-handed starting pitcher, mid to upper 90s, sitting. Really uncomfortable at bat for anybody. Just got to stay healthy. Got to stay on the field. Got to avoid those arm complications. And if you do, man, oh man, they have a gem in this kid, Cole Raggins. Another kid to watch out for, a player to watch. Not as important for Kansas City because their prospect capital is actually not very high. But they've got a young high school catcher they drafted, Blake Mitchell. Uh, he's expected to be in the bigs in a couple of years, but it's a guy to keep your eye on, right? Because when you're a first-round pick like he was, catcher, you know, left-handed bat, you just expect a lot out of those guys. High school kid needs a little bit of time to develop, but it's somebody that the Royals fans and non, even non-Royals fans, let's say in three years, are like, oh, Blake Mitchell. I remember that name because Ryan is a genius, and he told me to watch out for him. And here I am telling you to watch out for Blake Mitchell. So keep your eye out for him. The young catcher prospect. I think he's literally 19 or 20. Got some time, but he'll be up in a couple of years. And who knows, right? Chaos could strike the organization. They lose four catchers. And you see Blake Mitchell in September. Who knows? Probably not, but who knows? 56 and 106 last year for the Royals. 73 and a half for their win total this season. I've got them coming in at 70 and 92 
good for fourth in the American League Central. It's nothing personal. Nobody's surprised by this. Royals kind of starting to trend up a little bit, but ultimately going to be a lot of the same from last year. Decent young core, starting to build it up a little bit. Salvi coming to the back end of his career. A lot of unproven guys. Who knows how it'll actually end up, but I think 70 and 92, pretty fair. May even be a little bit generous for the Royals in 2024. Third place in the American League Central Division, third place team, Cleveland Guardians. Cleveland Guardians. Interesting ball club here. Terry Francona, retired. Steven Vogt, hired. Lots to prove. Not a ton of star power in terms of offensive production. Obviously, you've got Jose Ramirez. But other than that, it's kind of been the story for the Guardians the last few years. Contact-based team, low strikeout numbers on offense, young, controllable pitching, good enough back end, and try to win as many games as you can. Maybe play a little bit above the expectation. Last year, 76 and 86. Kind of where most people expected them to be. This year, win total is 78 and a half. World Series odds plus 7,500. Young, unproven manager. I think there's going to be a little bit more struggles uh, that this team may not know how to deal with uh, with a new manager and Stephen Vogt. I think Stephen Vogt's a good manager. I just don't know exactly, you know, how he'll be able to lead guys if things start to get a little bit tough. I think he'll be fine. They have a couple players to watch. Good, good prospect capital. Kyle Manzardo is a really good first base prospect for them. He should be up this year at some point. Guys go down with injury, availability. They want a little bit more offensive production. Don't be shocked to see Kyle Manzardo up and playing first base for the Guardians this year. And the other guy is Brian. I think it's Rocchio, but it could be Rocchio or Rocchio. And Brian is B-R-A-Y-A-N. Middle infield prospect. Great athlete. Again, exact kind of prototypical Cleveland Guardians based on what they've got right now. Um, low strikeout guy, contact-based, athletic, not the biggest. May see him up at some point as well. But those two, those are the two guys to watch out for for the Guardians in 2024. 76 wins last year, 78 and a half for the win total this season. I've got them right in the middle of those two at 77 and 85. Third place in the AL Central. Not going to get into the postseason with that record. Guardians are going to be a middle of the pack team. You need a bunch of middle of the pack teams throughout the season to fill out the middle of the pack. Guardians are going to be one of those teams. We'll see what happens. They may outplay that. They may finish a little under that. I think 77 and 85 seems about right for that team going into this season. Second place in the American League Central, the Detroit Tigers. What? Detroit Tigers. It's about time, man. It's about time the Tigers start to get on the map a little bit. I mean, where have the Tigers been from a relevancy perspective since the departures of Scherzer, Verlander, Porcello, Prince Fielder, Ian Kinsler? Like they were dogs dogs and they get to the world series in 2012 14 12 2012 world series deep run 
and crickets after that. Miguel Cabrera, retired. Sort of this new era, right, of Tigers baseball. You got young, controllable guys, Torkelson, Riley Green, Casey Mize. They're starting to build momentum, right? They're starting to build that foundation that's necessary for some dependable guys. They tried to kind of sign that veteran leadership guy with Javi Baez. He may be leading in the locker room, but his production hasn't really been there. Regardless, uh, they're trying to start building momentum, uh, build momentum in the right direction. And I think they're doing it. Uh, 78 and 84 last year. That's not bad. 79 and a half for the win total this year. Plus 6,000 World Series odds, 60 to 1. Right? Yeah, 60 to 1. They got a couple of guys to keep an eye on. Okay? Prospect Colt Keith, third base, second base guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he came, comes up this year, probably a later in the season type of call up, uh, but he's a high prospect for them, the guy that they really like, and he's going to be an impact guy for the Tigers if they're going to start trending in the right direction. Another guy to keep out, keep an eye out for, and it's between the two guys in the back end of the bullpen for the Tigers, but this guy specifically last year, Jason Foley, back end bullpen pitcher, outpitched kind of the expected numbers a little bit, right? Got kind of lucky with balls in play. Uh, expected batting average was lower than actual batting average against that kind of stuff. However, he was nasty. And if it comes down to the trade deadline and there's a team looking for a reliable back end arm to come in and throw up zeros in the seventh, eighth, or even ninth for a playoff contending team, Jason Foley is your guy. He is going to be one of the hot targets on the trade deadline if he can keep up what he sustained last year. And the Tigers would be more than happy to part ways with him. Not because they don't like him, not because, of course, he wouldn't be a good player for them, but because those rentals typically end up costing more than a, than a offseason or random trade where it's a team that's a little bit more desperate, willing to give up a little bit more. And that's what the Tigers want to do right now is continue to load up prospects, load up the farm system, load up reliable depth, and part ways with one, one bullpen arm. One. That being said, 78 and 84. Good record for them last year. Projected win total for them this year is about a win better. I have them at 79 and 83. It's good enough for second place. Right at the Vegas win total. I think they'll be similar to last year, young, hungry, a couple of big time moments, maybe some dramatic, you know, walk off wins with Kerry Carpenter and all those guys that slugged it like crazy last year for them. Ultimately, it's not going to be enough. And this division's not great. Their starting pitching is a little bit up in the air and we'll see what happens. But 79 and 83 is right on for where the Tigers will finish in 2024 and in first place to nobody's surprise in the american league central i've got the minnesota twins okay 87 and 75 good record for them last year good enough to win the division 87 and a half is their projected win total this year so they, you know vegas doesn't have them getting much better than they were last year world series odds are plus 2000 20 to 1 uh 
I think these guys will win the division again. I got them in first place. That doesn't mean they're going to make some crazy deep run. I do think the postseason experience that they dealt with last year is certainly going to help the young guys going into this postseason if they end up winning the division. There's a couple of people to watch out for, and it's typically two players that I have listed off. But in the case of the Twins, the first guy I have is Edward Julian. Okay, Edward Julian, second baseman for them. I know they have a bunch of other options. Um, they've got a ton of infield guys. They uh, forget the kid's name, but they drafted a kid out of Vanderbilt, uh, something Austin. I can't remember. Regardless, he's a second baseman, young, controllable prospect with high upside. Uh, Correa, uh, Donovan Salon, like they have options. They went with a bunch of options. And Edward Julian, I think, may have bounced off, the, bounced on and off the injury list a little bit last year, too. Regardless, wasn't like the absolute guy. I think he got sent down last year. And it was a little bit surprising because he came up, played pretty well, and then got sent down. I hope to God that they put him at second base and let him hit at the top of the order and play every single day. I love his left-handed bat. I think he has like all-star caliber potential and bat control. Uh, his exit velo, his barrel percentage, monster in those categories based on his size and his position of second base. Edward Julian could very easily be representing the Twins in the all-star game in July. So keep an eye out for him. The second person to watch I have listed is multiple people and it's the Twins bullpen. Twins bullpen is loaded. They added a bunch of dudes. A bunch of dudes. Not to mention the back end is is just anchored down by uh Joan Duran who throws a trillion miles an hour. Those sinkers and splitters at 99 miles an hour. He's basically unhittable. And you combine that with Pablo Lopez, with Sonny Gray, with Joe Ryan. I like what the Twins have to offer. They may struggle a little bit offensively, kind of the story similar to last year, led by a guy like Carlos Correa, realistically finding themselves first place in the American League Central Division. 87 and 75 last year. Vegas win total has them in 87. I've got them in 88, right around that same record. I think they're a game or two better based on the additions they've made in the bullpen, but they're 88 and 74, which is good enough for first place in the AL Central. And to recap the AL Central final standings, I've got White Sox in uh, fifth, 62 and 100. Royals in fourth, 70 and 92. Guardians in third, 77 and 85. Tigers in second at 79 and 83. And the Twins winning the AL Central with a record of 88 and 74. White Sox fifth, Royals fourth, Guardians third, Tigers second, Twins first. That's my standings for the American League Central. Not very far off from where it's been in years past. This division is not good. I wanted to make sure I got that in there. This division is not good. This is not a good collection of teams. It hasn't been a good division for a long time. I'm hoping with the emergence of some of these Tigers younger prospects, they can start competing for the division title. I'm hoping the Royals can make some acquisitions, can call some guys up. They can start to becoming a little bit more relevant again. The other two teams, I mean, the Guardians are always going to be middle of the pack team, could potentially start to turn things around. They're just low payroll. Kind of the story with a lot of this division. 
Guardians, Royals, White Sox, cutting payroll, low payroll. Some impact guys, but ultimately, man, just not exactly what you would expect out of a five-team division. Twins, here it is. Take it or leave it. It's pretty much your division to have unless you guys absolutely choke it away. I don't expect them to, and I'm seeing the Twins win in the AL Central in 2024. So with that, hopefully you guys enjoyed episode 46, I believe. We Know Baseball podcast, our first predictions episode in the books. We nailed down two different divisions today with the American League East and the American League Central. If you guys are first-time listeners or checking us out or anything, I mentioned it at the beginning, but be sure to check us out on Twitter, at RyanKnowsBall is my handle. At we know Ball Sports is Instagram and TikTok. Check us out on YouTube. We've got all the clips. We've got all the rundowns. Got some trivia stuff. We've got everything, man. So go check us out on there. Um, greatly appreciate it. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Our next episode is going to be the AL West and American League Awards. I'm going to try to get that thing up, recorded, done sooner rather than later so we can start to kind of roll through these things. Uh, and putting them out there for the world to see. But the American League West with the American League final season awards uh, is the next episode. After that, will be the NL East with the NL Central. And then the final episode will be the NL West with the NL awards. Kind of the situation, the way it'll go. Curious. Any feedback you guys have, be sure to let me know on social media. If you guys think I am the dumbest man alive, I love it. Let me hear it. Uh, appreciate anybody and everybody that tuned into these predictions. I think I'll be pretty close on some of these. I think others might just be anomalies. We'll see what happens either way. Appreciate you guys tuning in as usual. We'll catch you guys next time. Yeah.